your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Avalanche fans, welcome to the Locked On Avalanche Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. And on today's show, we will be discussing another Avalanche victory over the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Avalanche looked good for the most part, a little bit of a slow start. Uh, but we'll talk about that game uh, a little bit later. Uh, but it was trade deadline day, and it was kind of up in the air if the Avalanche were done making deals and they did all of their work before the actual deadline day. And that wasn't the case. The Avalanche do one more trade, bringing in a familiar face. So we will talk about everything, <clears throat> how the Avalanche look right now, now that you know what they have now is what they're going to have going forward. So first things first, follow the show on social media outlets, on Twitter, LOPN underscore Avalanche, on Instagram, search for Locked on Avalanche, and send any questions, comments, concerns, opinions to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. So <clears throat> yesterday we covered the two moves the Avalanche made uh, over the weekend, bringing in Patrick Nemeth, bringing in Devin Dubnik. And if the apps have just stayed right there, I think most people would say they're, we're good. They didn't, you know, go after one of the high end uh, players that maybe were up for trade. Uh, They didn't really need to, it's not like they need star power and it's not like they need, uh, you know, that they're, they're struggling to score they needed just some depth players and they got it with just Nemeth and, and uh, Dubnik. And then Joe Sackick went out and brought back Carl, Sod- Carl Soderberg, who was a fan favorite uh, for the, the short time that he was in Colorado. And I think it's uh, you know interesting that it comes full circle that they return him because I, I kind of felt like they let him walk uh, because they wanted to get younger. And I can't remember you know up and down what the roster was the final year he was on, uh, but I, I at the time I kind of felt like they they wanted the young guys to kind of take the reins of this team and get a little bit quicker. Uh, and get a lot younger and let guys like Nathan McKinnon and Landis Gog and Rantanen and, you know, those guys really step to the forefront, which has happened, obviously. And now it's the other way around. Those guys are the leaders of this team. I'm not to say they weren't when uh, Soderberg was Blanche, but now this is a depth move for them. All three of these moves are depth moves. The we talked about Dubnik. Dubnik is this is exactly what the Avalanche needed. They needed someone with a, with experience to spell Grubauer every once in a while and see what happens in the playoffs. If you need to play him, you have confidence he can. You know, if the Avs are up three nothing in a series, they're going to put Dubnik in. If they win it, great. If not, back out goes Grubauer. So uh, that that was the move that they needed to make. The Nemeth made. 
uh, move that they made, another depth move, but he will play a lot on special teams and in the penalty kill because he's great in that aspect. Same thing with Soderberg. Soderberg is a very good penalty killer, and he will give you added power out of a little bit offensive power on those bottom six lines, those, those bottom two lines, I should say. So all of this is just solidifying this team going forward. They, they, did they have to make moves? You could make the argument that they didn't have to, but I think after what happened last year, Joe Sackick knows exactly what he needs, where the gaps are and how exactly to fill them. And that's exactly what he's done. And, you know, I I put up on Twitter, what would you grade this trade deadline for the abs? And uh, it was a B. Um, I think it was like 50-something percent rated it a B. And I would say I would agree with that. You know, they didn't do anything to bring in the, the big name and big player. And like I said in the beginning, they didn't need to. So I think what they did was smart. Uh, necessary, and the guys that they brought in will be useful. We did hear that Pavel Francos is done for the year. Uh, the other day we heard that Eric Johnson was probably done for the year, but now we heard it's possible he could come back for the playoffs. We don't know yet, obviously. He's done for the regular season, but he could come back for the playoffs. All in all, uh, this Avalanche team, you know, Joe Sackett took the mindset of there's not going to be an asterisk next to it. Everybody else is going for it now. Why should we be any different? Let's treat this like a regular trade deadline, get the pieces that we need, and make a run for this thing. And the Avalanche have the team to do that. Now, where do these guys fit? That is a, a interesting, interesting question. We don't really know yet. Nemeth, maybe a little bit easier to figure out where he's going to fit on the defensive end, where Soderberg is going to fit. Uh, you, I mean, with Lean O'Brien uh, in, in there probably takes his place. Uh, if you feel like JT Comfer is not playing up to par, maybe you put him on the taxi squad and that's the thing with this taxi squad. You can rotate people in and out. And even when was it? Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago when Calvert was hurt, who has not come back yet. Matt Calvert, don't know what's going on with him. But uh, when he was not 100%, Jared Bednar at the time said, well, you know, we have an abundance of forwards, so why would I play somebody that's 80% or even 90%? Maybe 90% he would play them. Or let's say seven, let's go the other way. Let's say 75 to 80% when I have a handful of guys to pick from that are 100%. And, you know, getting guys like Soderberg, uh, he, he, he's a veteran. He knows what to do. He's playoff experienced. And you, you can't have enough of that when you head into the playoffs. And it's no longer you need a couple guys uh, that have playoff experience that can help the young guys. A lot of this, the guys on this Avalanche team have playoff experience. Those training wheels are off. They're off. <clears throat> Everything is off. The only thing that's on is what's on the table, which is the Avalanche are a 
formidable formidable opponent for to win the cup and they know it and they didn't sit back and say like well it's a weird season let's you know we're doing very well with what we have let's just run with it nope joe sakic said i need to just make a couple more moves here to fine tune a couple things and away we go i think it was a good trade deadline i think they got players that they needed i think they got players that will uh do do well and they're players that they they're going to need it's not just let's fill a roster spot it's uh smart players that are familiar with the team especially with nemeth and soderberg and you could really even say dumdick is familiar with the team because he's played against them all the time and now he's on the other side of it so three really really good moves by joe sakic and uh, should we expect anything else from him at this point in time so uh, all right, we're going to continue this conversation after we hear from our friends at Rock Auto and rockauto.com. It's the family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us section so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so welcome back. And like we were saying, the Avalanche have a lot of forwards to choose from, and if guys need a rest, they can move guys in and out. Uh, And how much did you see that's going to benefit the goalie side of things with Philip Grubauer? Grubauer finally got a handful of days off. I was calling for it a couple weeks ago uh, when they could have played Johansson in back-to-back games. Uh, there was a day off in between games, but uh, they could have played, played him two games in a row, which would give him Grubauer a long rest. They just did that just, just a week or two later. And look at the difference because, you know, he he's not going to say it, and he's going to say he's fine doing this every other day game, uh, you know, run that they're on. Uh, but when it comes down to it, like guys need rests from, from you know, uh, and, and playing the goalie position, you do need a break every once in a while. So uh, the fact that they got now two goalies that they can really depend on, especially Johansson, the last two games that he's played, he's played better every game so far. But look at the the difference in Grubauer tonight, or last night now, um, against Arizona. And that's with, you know, I was at four or five days rest. So four or five days rest for him is almost like a full week off at this point in the game. But this goes back to the question of come playoff time, the way that this team is now, I mean, they were loaded to begin with, and just adding those few extra pieces the question remains who can beat them four times 
in a playoff round. Can anybody really do that? Can anybody rattle off four wins against this Avalanche team? There are teams that can push them. I'm not saying this is going to be a walk in the park for Colorado, but man, that's uh, that's asking a lot of any team to beat Colorado four times, even within the division with with Vegas. And Vegas is a good team, but the the games that the Avalanche have played against them, Vegas got the best of them every once in a while. But did you really leave any of the series that they played against Vegas feeling like, uh, for the most part, the Avalanche weren't were not the team in charge for most of the series and most of the games? Yeah, I feel. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> uh, Vegas made some adjustments. And it showed, but playoffs are a different animal. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Avalanche approach these playoffs, knowing what's happened to them in the past number of seasons with the early exits. But now it's a different mindset when you came into the season as the favorite. Uh, That changed a little bit here and there with the beginning, with the way that the Avalanche started, which was not the greatest. It wasn't awful, uh, but they didn't have a hot start. And now they're catching fire. Now they're just firing on all cylinders. And now they're back, you know, number one in power rankings and number one, uh, or, you know, back to being the favorite. So now they go into the play. We're going to go into the playoffs with that weighing on them, which I've never had before. So, uh, but I think the team's prepared. I think they're prepared. I think the moves that they made, you know, bringing in a guy like Soderberg to kind of just relax everybody. And I think the game that they played last night against Arizona is a good thing. It was another, a different style of game for the Avalanche. Usually they're the ones, most of the time they're in charge. You know, there, there's times where, they have a bad period or even a bad game or a bad stretch of shifts. Uh, but in last night's game, Arizona, Arizona's lost three in a row. Now it's four in a row. Uh, but they, you knew they were going to come out playing a very aggressive style of game. And they did. And it seemed to not be enough. Well, in the end, it wasn't enough because the Avalanche didn't win it four to two. But the Avs were how do I word it like I mean it's not like I don't want to make it seem like Arizona was like the team in charge the entire game but they were matching Colorado kind of like blow for blow and I think they even outshot them let me get the stats up oh yeah they easily outshot them Arizona outshot Colorado 37 to 20 so stuff like that that typically doesn't happen I think if you look at like the I could bring it up if I can find it quickly, but the, the Corsi score for this is, I mean, well, when they outshoot them 37 to 20, uh, and Avalanche had 12 blocks, so you can add those shots on. Uh, it, it was heavily skewed towards Arizona in most of the stats. And what happened? Colorado was still up three to nothing in the game. So they're they're winning not just one way. They're winning multiple ways. And last night was another way that the Avalanche are proving 
come playoff time, there's several ways that we can win games. We don't have to just play one style of game. And even in a game when we're not kind of the, the team in charge, we can still do enough. We still have the talent to take a three to nothing lead on you. So let's see the avalanche. Uh, man, they had single digit shots on goal for every period. I am willing to believe that that has not happened all year long. I I would bet almost anything on that. The avalanche have not gone an entire game where each period they've only had single digit shots on goal. I'm not going to take the time to go look that up right now, but with the way the avalanche, you know, shoot 30 plus shots a uh, a game, that's almost a home run bet if I were to bet. Wow. So there you go. I mean, is that not impressive to you? That even when they're not on their style of game, they still win a game pretty handily. Uh, you know, Arizona made it interesting at the end. They really did. And and I kind of thought they they would. They were bat- they were battling all game long. Arizona, I think Arizona played the best they possibly could against the Avalanche, and they had nothing to show for it in the first two periods. And then they finally got uh, one in the third, and then another in the third, and it's getting a you know maybe a little bit of nail biting time when it was three to two, and then Miko hits the empty netter. Uh, some really good old-fashioned hockey at the end of this one uh, with after the Miko goal it was four to two. Um, the Coyotes still pulled the goalie again. I think there was maybe just under two minutes. And, you know, Miko with a really bad and ugly cross check to, I think it was Ekman Larson, uh, who was kind of already on his backside. And, and I mean, it was just one of those frustration things for Miko, just probably getting poked and prodded all game long. And he had just had enough. So he kind of cross check Ekman Larson while he was on the ground. Obviously, a Coyote player, I don't know who it was, came to his defense. Uh, big scrum kind of uh, took over there, and then that wasn't the end of it. And even in the, well, in the first fight, Cal McCarr got involved. He's not a fighter. I mean, he's built for it, but he he kind of keeps to himself, and he got mixed up with somebody. And then, you know, uh, Miko went to the locker room, uh, play resumed, and then another scrum, which included, I believe it was who I was uh, Graves, uh, kind of in the goal, and so you know, no love lost towards the end of this one between the two teams, but it was a really fun last two to three minutes of this game because it it was still up in the air, um, and you know, M- Miko shouldn't shouldn't have done that. That was a really bad and ugly cross check on uh, Eggman Larson when he was on the ground. But I think, you know, this is, we, we've said it about Connor McDavid. Uh, Miko didn't throw an elbow to his face, to somebody's face like McDavid did. But uh, what he did is still not. You, you, you shouldn't, I, I get that you're frustrated. Um, find another way to take your frustration out. But in the end, like I said, the Avalanche with a 4-2 a to two win. And I'm impressed 
that that game was four to two. Uh, you know, if it was a two to one game where the Avalanche win, you would say like, oh, they, they fought, they, they did what they had to do to win, but to s- score four points the way that they played, it was it was an off game for them. They looked good, they looked good, but but Arizona was throwing everything at them that they could. And it was working. Some of it was working. They just didn't have goals to, to show for it until the end. So, I, like I said, I'm impressed with how the Avalanche won this game because it wasn't their style of game, and that's what you want. You want to go into the playoffs knowing that uh, if the other team is getting you off of your game, you can still win. And that's exactly what the Avalanche did. A very odd non-goal for Arizona early in the game. Uh, why don't we take a, a quick break and then we will discuss that. And there's a very big series coming up, but uh, I want to get to betonline.ag first. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet in all your sports action. Football might be over, obviously, and March Madness is over, obviously, but the NBA, Major League Baseball, and of course, our National Hockey League are in full swing. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds, and prop bets on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. You can do so over at their website or using your mobile device, and when you sign up, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So I just want to cover that very strange series of events I think it was in the first period. Yeah, I think the score was zero zero. Would have been the first goal of the game. Arizona, there's you know traffic in front of the net, and it looked it looked like Grubauer. You couldn't see the puck. It was under Grubauer somewhere, but pretty much his entire body, with the exception of his legs, maybe from his knees down, were not in the goal, and you couldn't see the puck anywhere. And upon replay, or at least the replays we saw. On altitude, uh, the one shot they have of the puck, it's nowhere near the goal line. It is, you know, a good foot into the crease. And you thought, you know, they're sh- they took a long time to review it. Man, maybe Toronto has some view that we're not seeing. Apparently they did somewhere because they called it a goal. And I... I'm. <laughs> I don't want to hear, well, common sense if his most of his body is in the goal. Like, they're not going to call it that way. You can't call it that way. Um, and the NHL has proven that, you know, common sense waves bye-bye to them when they, you know, suspend or don't suspend specific players. Uh, so I don't know why they called it a goal. Like I said, they must have had some different view in Toronto that we didn't see on altitude because the one you can go to my Twitter page and see it if you want to. But the one shot that we saw that actually the only view you had of the puck was nowhere near the goal line. So they call it a goal, but then coach Bednar challenges it because Grubauer was pushed into the net by a Arizona player. So then they go back and review that. I mean, the whole thing took 11 or 12 minutes uh, just to call it a goal, which I'm not sure how it was called a goal, only to be overturned and the goal was removed. So just a long, drawn-out series of events that ended right where we began 
uh, with zero zero. And Jacob McDonald took a slap shot right to the face. Um, he was, it looked like he was out. It looked like he was out cold. But he got up, skated off under his own power with the help of a, a trainer, somewhat. And then came back like you knew he maybe could. But those are those are hockey players. They're just built differently. Taking a puck to the face is not fun. He had the full face mask on when he came out after that. Uh, or it says, uh, and he only played eight minutes in the game. So I'm sure it affected him. But uh, stick taps to Jacob McDonald for taking one to the grill and then coming back. So um, stats for today, Nico Rantanen did not, let's see, where is he? Yeah, he had two goals. Interesting enough, you know, he went to the showers early, so he was not involved in the top three or the three stars of the game. He probably would be, but Nathan McKinnon did get this first star of the game with one goal and one assist. He continues to tear things up. And, man, like you – you never take it for granted, but it's almost to the point where you just like expect it. And and I don't want to say like I just expect him to just be incredible every game, but that's why I do three stars of last week, uh, not name Nathan, because when he plays like this, he's on a roll. He's on a roll again. So who else we have that multiple point games here? McCarr uh, with two assists for him. Gerard with another assist. Taze with another assist. I thought Taze played a really, really good game. Uh, which is no surprise there. So, um, Jost with an assist. I just continue to like his game for this year. I don't know. I think that that line he's playing on is is doing very well. And I think it's a, a a big testament to him. I do. I just I, I really like how Tyson Jost is playing. He's not filling up the stat sheet, but he's doing the little things. And every time he's out there, he's full bore one hundred and ten percent every time. So. Um, so coming up for the avalanche, this is, uh, you know, maybe not the, 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 this game coming up next will be a little bit of a test. You haven't seen the St. Louis blues in, in a while. And you got a one game series, uh, prime time NBC sports, and they're going to be gunning for you. And like I said, not because, you know, they're, so close to you in the standings number one they want to hold on to their playoff spot that they have and number two this could be the first round matchup if things stay the way they are and we don't have much time left for teams to make moves uh this could be our first round matchup so maybe you know this game definitely take a look but next week is the big one when the avs and the blues play a three game series uh, but not having seen them in a while, it's almost like a regular schedule. <laughs> you, you know, that, that you're playing a team that you haven't seen in a couple months. But uh, just so happens that's the case with St. Louis. So I'm looking forward to this one. I think it'll be interesting to see how each team starts. It's in St. Louis, and it, oddly enough, the three game series next week is also in St. Louis. Uh, you're getting, you're most likely going to get Grubauer in this game. You're going to get Grubauer a healthy dose of him. Probably for the rest of the year until things maybe are are clinched. Um, and then, you know, hopefully he can get a rest before the playoffs start and the Avs are, you know, have the number one seed wrapped up. But that's down the road. 
So I think this this is going to have a playoff-like atmosphere, no doubt about it. So uh, we will definitely be talking about it tomorrow. We'll see how uh, that winds up. And, uh, yeah, should be interesting. Until then, if anything happens, follow me on Twitter, LOPN underscore Avalanche, and Instagram, Lockdown Avalanche. Like I said, send emails, LockdownAvalanche at gmail.com. That's going to be it for today, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today each and every day. It's always appreciated. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Here's Jovi. Go, Abs, go.